We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. To grain or grain-free, or does it even matter? We're talking DCM today, the science behind it, but also the controversy that's been coming out about it over the past uh, few months. So let's dive in. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. All right, so yeah, so I, I get the question a lot in the shop that, um, should I be adding grains to my dog's diet? Um, or I hear this a lot. My vet said I need to feed grains or a grain based diet. Um, it's something that I don't want to say the question irks me because it's not the question or the customer that irks me. It's, it's kind of where it's coming from that, that really, um, is upsetting. So it's, I guess it's the fact that it's being spewed from, from some very uninformed, um, veterinarians, um, and I feel that it's their responsibility responsibility to be informed on such matters, especially if they're they're giving you nutritional advice. Um, you just got to read beyond the headline. You have to keep up with with what's going on, and you got to um, you got to do your homework. So, if you're not familiar with this whole DCM debate, um, I kind of want to start from the beginning just to kind of paint the picture. But DCM, so when I say DCM, I mean dilated cardiomyopathy, and this is a life-threatening heart disease that causes the heart to enlarge. Um, so the, the, the muscular walls of the heart become weak and becomes increasingly harder for, for it to circulate blood, and um, it will eventually cause buildup in, in, of fluid in the lungs. So, um, and it is, it is irreversible um, and is the major cause of congestive heart failure as well. So obviously DCM is a very, very serious disease. That's, that's DCM. Okay. So if you haven't heard of DCM or this whole like debate of grain or grain free diets and DCM, that's, that's kind of the, the heart of it. No pun intended. The FDA, uh, back in 2018 put out some, started to put out reports about a warning when it came to grain free diets and a possible link between between those kind of diets and DCM or dilated cardiomyopathy. So from July 2018 through 2019, there's about 500 dogs that were affected by DCM in this country. So that's about 250 dogs a year out of about, uh, about 80 million dogs in the U.S. So very, very, very inconclusive report. I mean, we're talking 250 dogs a year out of out of uh, almost 80 million is not um, it's not a whole lot and we're going to look at the historical data as well when it comes to DCM the FDA in their report stated that most of these dogs that were coming down with uh, dilated cardiomyopathy were eating grain-free diets 
Okay, so, and this is where there's an amino acid called taurine, and this is where taurine comes into play. Um, and what taurine is, taurine is a, um, it's an amino acid. So, oh, and by the way, I should have mentioned this before, I brought Juniper, or June, our puppy in here today, so if you hear her whining or barking, that's her, just being her, so. So taurine, uh, so taurine is an amino acid. It makes up, um, so proteins are made up by chains of amino acids and, and taurine is one of these amino acids. Amino acids are essential for all living cells. They're, they're, they're primarily used for tissue repair and growth and for regulating metabolism. Um, overall, there are 22 amino acids, all of which are very important for our pets. 10 of these amino acids are essential for dogs and 11 for cats, and that's something important to take note of. All right, so you have two groups of amino acids. You have the non-essential amino acids, which um, they're non-essential because they can be manufactured in the liver, so they can they can be manufactured by the in, in the body by the pet. And then you have the essential amino acids, acids, which must be supplied via the diet. Okay, so they can't be manufa manufactured in the body, so they have to be provided in the diet. Uh, now, taurine is labeled as a non-essential amino acid, but with taurine, it's really not that simple. Okay, so for cats, it's considered essential because they cannot manufacture it. Dogs, it kind of depends. That's why it's not quite that simple. Some dogs, depending on their diets, can produce more of the taurine than others. So it's really, it's more of a conditionally essential amino acid. If you've listened to my other podcast, you've heard me talk about this. But way back when, when they developed the extrusion process to make kibble, this meant they used high heat and high pressure and a shit ton of carbohydrates to give kibble its its form, its kind of its pellet shape, keep it all together. You need a minimum of 30% carbohydrates to create kibble. Most kibble is even well well above that 30%. Hills has diets up there upwards of 60% carbohydrates. And remember, dogs and cats have no dietary requirement for carbohydrates, yet it's making up the most... Um, it's the biggest, the largest ingredient in, in all kibble diets, which this robs them, obviously, of other nutrients like taurine, especially because carbs do not have taurine. So no matter what carb you're talking about, sources of taurine are meat, organ meat, dairy, seafood. You do not get taurine from grains. We talk about this too, grain-free diets. You know, a lot of people think those are carb-free. They're not. They're just using other forms of carbohydrates that are also lacking taurine. You know, these ingredients are expensive, right? The meat, organ meat, dairy, seafood, these are ingredients, or sorry, expensive ingredients to use. So, you know, especially if you're just going to cook the hell out of it. So a lot of the companies don't, I mean, obviously they're going to go for the cheaper route. A little story, if we go back, we go back in time a little bit to the 70s. In the 70s, cats started having, started developing serious eye and heart issues like DCM and were dying by the thousands. And by the 80s, they determined that that the cause was a lack of taurine in the carbohydrate-laden processed cat food. So all these cats are being fed kibble. They're boosting the protein content of the kibble with carbohydrates, um, not really taking into consideration amino acids within those within those uh, carbohydrates. And cats were coming down with DCM and some eye issues. So taurine is really important for eye, heart, brain, muscle health. And by, like I said, the late 80s pet food regulators determined that taurine was an essential amino acid for cats because of this. So it became the 11th essential amino acid for cats. So you probably, so before I was saying there's 10 amino acids, essential amino acids for dogs and 11 for cats, the 11th being taurine for cats. So, however, for dogs, it, you know, it was still considered, it's still considered a non-essential amino acid, meaning that they can manufacture on their own. 
However, not all dogs can produce it, and some produce more than others. So according to Dogs Naturally, they've recently found that some large breeds, specifically Great Danes, Retrievers, Dobermans, Irish Wolfhounds, cannot produce enough taurine when fed a diet that's low in animal protein. So remember, animal protein is one of the best sources of taurine. DCM though, it can happen in any breed. So these large breeds were determined to be much more vulnerable, though their condition did improve, even partially reversed when taurine was added back into the diet. So now you might be thinking, I'm feeding a grain diet, or sorry, I'm feeding a grain-free diet, so I'm okay. But that's, that's also wrong, okay? So grain-free is not a carb. It's not carb-free, okay? So there's, they're just swapping out one kind of carbohydrate for another. And actually, the FDA found that, I hate saying this because I don't know the legitimacy of, of this report, and we're going we're gonna to get into this, but they found that 90, about 91% of the dogs that uh, have DCM were on grain-free diets containing peas and lentils. So... Now, I do think that there is, it's hard to say because there's a lot of inconclusive evidence about DCM right now, but we do know that, you know, lentils and legumes, they're high in protein. Um, so these, you know, some of these pet food manufacturers can use these really cheap lentils and legumes and beans to boost the protein content in the food without using the important, more expensive ingredients, the more nutrient dense ingredients or foods like animal protein. So essentially they're boosting the protein content of the food with beans and legumes, lentils, plant protein, but the problem is they're void of, of some amino acids that, we, that, we, that they need. Most importantly, they're void of taurine. Also worth noting is that these lentils and legumes, they contain anti-nutrients or phytates that inhibit the absorption of some really critical nutrients, but also um, one being taurine. Unfortunately, this has created a, a slew of, of vets yelling, feed grains, go back to grains, which is, you know, grains are what we wanted to avoid in the first place because we knew that grains, um, well, they don't contain taurine, so I don't know why they're saying go back to grains. And the majority of foods um, on, list, on, on the list that the FDA gave out were grain-free, but there's also grain-based diets on that list too, and we're going to kind of find out more about that. So it's it's just grains we already knew were causing lots of issues for dogs, allergies, um, you know, leaky gut, inflammation, obesity. Like all, We wanted to get away from grains in the first place, so we went to the grain-free. Um, or some people went to the grain-free diet thinking they're do, doing something better, okay? So I keep alluding to we're going to get to this, we're going to get to this. I just wanted to give you the basic kind of this, this grain, grain-free debate. And, you know, everyone's saying, you know, I need to go back to grains because, you know, the grain-free uh, kibble was causing DCM. But just know that there's really no conclusive evidence showing either kind of either way. Yes, some, you know, some manufacturers of the grain-free diets were really putting a lot of, I mean, any legume in a dog food is not necessarily necessary, but they're really boosting the protein content with with legumes and, and beans. And those were obviously lacking some, some nutrients, some critical nutrients that our dogs need, but you know, grain based diets at the same time, they're not, they're not doing much better. Um, you know, they're still causing a lot of issues for our pets. And that's kind of why we went to grain free in the first place, but a lot of info here. The big thing is, um, or what I really wanted to talk to was kind of the FDA and the controversy surrounding the FDA. Um, when it came to when it came to this DCM warning. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. Our friendly professional team helps us offer your pet conventional medicine, surgery, and dentistry, as well as integrative options like acupuncture, 
chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, cold laser therapy, pulsed magnetic therapy, and ozone. We have recently added PRP, platelet-rich plasma, and stem cell therapies. These new therapies increase our philosophy of regenerative medicine and are often used for arthritic conditions but have many other uses as well. We are strong believers in the use of wholesome, fresh foods and raw foods since healthy diet probably accounts for 75% of your pet's health. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or the web at www.lifetimepetwellness.com or call 614-888-2100. The FDA's first announcement that there was a potential link to grain-free diets and heart disease and canines was in July of 2018, though here they failed to share how many reports exactly there were. They just warned of the potential for heart disease in dogs eating dry food that was legume, lentil, or potato-based essentially grain-free foods. So this obviously created a hysteria in the pet food world, and it was reported on nearly every news channel in the world. It frightened a lot of people. And, you know, you're thinking, surely the FDA would ring the alarm, you know, only if they have fully, in, fully investigated it, right? So six months later, the FDA does again. They issue a second alert stating that there are that they're extremely busy investigating this DCM problem, they're analyzing cases, they're collaborating, they're consulting, et cetera, et cetera. And in its second alert, the FDA reported that 90% of the cases reported feeding a grain-free food. So you're like, wow, well, there's definitely something there, right? So again, you know, this sent the media in a frenzy, scared the living shit out of some pet owners, got more people going back to grain-based diets, which is important to remember. And then six months after their second warning came their third and final warning. This time, the big difference is, is that the FDA does something they've never done before. They list the brand names most frequently reported to the FDA. So never before the FDA had done this. this they had the Center of uh, Veterinary Medicine within the FDA provide brand names, which were then shared across the country and the world. So surely if the FDA has given out three warnings on grain-free diets, they must have done some ex very extensive research and have plenty of data, right? Wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> Interesting enough, after that third warning, the FDA went silent. We haven't heard from the FDA in regards to this matter since June of 2019. It's now October of 2022. And here's where it gets good. So there's a good article by uh, Susan Thrixton. If you don't know who Susan Thrixton is and you you are you're listening to this podcast so you're somewhat interested in pet food she's definitely worth uh going to her website truthaboutpetfood.com she's she's just a, a very unbiased reporter essentially that you know goes to all these afco meetings and and does some really cool stuff puts out some really good information um she does a list uh every year to the best pet foods and she vets all the companies so she does she does some really quality work but here's where it gets good so as Susan Thrixton writes, um, she reports that there's a, a published study in, two, in June of 2020, 2020 that showed that based on historical data of DCM, so dilated cardiomyopathy, diagnosis, 0.5% of dogs evaluated at the U.S. referral hospitals were diagnosed with DCM. So if there are 77 million dogs in the U.S., this would suggest that there would be a minimum of 308,000 to almost 1 million dogs in the U.S. that have DCM at any given time. However, the FDA apparently did not look at this for all data because they warned hard 
that there was a concerning rise in DCM cases, but the FDA has stated that there war- that in their warning, there were 500, remember I said 560 dogs with potential diet-related DCM. This would mean that these 560 cases would represent only 0.05% to 0.1% of the dogs in the U.S. with DCM. So in other words, the cases of DCM were drastically lower than they have, than they have been in the past, well below what the historical data had shown. Which is just like, I, I mean, I'm reading this, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, it already seemed like a very small amount, I mean, 560 cases compared to almost 80 million dogs. But then when you look at the, just the historical data of DCM, I mean, because there's a huge genetic component to it as well, and, and breeds and, and other things that play into it. And it's just like, you're sounding an alarm three times, like hard, and you haven't even done much research on this at all. I mean, it's, I mean, you're saying that apparently what the numbers you're throwing out there, you're saying that DCM is on a sharp decline, just crazy to me. But we also found out that the FDA skewed the data. And what I mean by this is that the FDA, the FDA was only asking for cases from veterinary professionals of DCM that were linked to grain-free diets. So they weren't, so they were looking for, specifically they're looking for cases cases of DCM where the dog was eating a grain-free diet. They didn't want to know about dogs developing DCM if they're eating, say, a grain-based diet, like, I don't know, Purina or any of the Royal Canaan diets or, you know, it all these other big manufacturers using grains in their food. They didn't want to know about those. They just wanted the, essentially the boutique small brand manufacturers, uh, grain-free diets, and those dogs that were eating those in connection with DCM. So just to be clear, if they wanted to, you know, have real numbers in the correct data, they would have asked for cases of DCM regardless of what diets the dogs were eating. Lastly, and also possibly most important, um, is the fact that one of the consultants for the FDA, Dr. Lisa Freeman of Tufts University, sent an email to an FDA veterinary medical officer instructing vets to report cases of DCM to the FDA if the patient was eating a boutique, exotic ingredient, or grain-free diet. And also, this is funny because Dr. Judy Morgan just uh, posted this on her Instagram not that long ago. Um, But in the last three years, this Dr. Lisa Freeman from Tufts University has received research funding from given sponsored lectures for and or provided professional services to Hills Pet Nutrition, Nestle Purina, P&G Pet Care, now Mars, and Royal Canin. So all the big pet food, dry pet food, grain-based manufacturers. Within, I think it was a two thousand from 2019 to 2020, they jumped. I think the profits jumped for the grain-based uh, foods $700 million in just one year. So there's definitely, definitely um, a financial incentive in this. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. This is, you know, this is, um, this is just data that I'm, I'm that's come out already, and, and it's just stuff that we know. But I think that there's still a lot to be learned here. I think my my best advice. I mean, obviously with the whole FDA and uh, conflict of interest, there, it's a lot of times it's you know follow the money, and it seems like there there's some some definite financial incentive. But I think you know going back to you know, our pets and our dogs and, and what's the best thing for them as far as avoiding um, DCM and making sure they're getting all the amino acids that they need and all those 
awesome fatty acids. You know, to grain or grain-free, I just, I don't believe that either one, when we're talking about grain or grain-free kibble, I don't really, I don't, I don't put one above the other. I really don't think either of them are great. A lot of vets are saying, go back to grains, go back to grains, but it's like grains don't have taurine in them either. So it's, I don't understand that, that logic, but you know, grains like I had talked about are also, you know, the causes of, of chronic inflammation in our pets and obesity, leaky gut, et cetera. And the grain-free kibble, of course, not any better because we know they contain high amounts of, um, of carbohydrates, uh, as well as anti-nutrients that inhibit the absorption of amino acids and other critical nutrients like manganese and iron and calcium, et cetera. So, you know, I would not recommend feeding any carbohydrate-based diet to a facultative carnivore or especially to our, you know, obligate carnivores or cats, you know, whether it's grain-based or grain-free, legume, lentil, potato-based, it's not my recommendation. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us. The best thing you can do, obviously, is feed a fresh, raw, species-appropriate, animal-based diet that's rich in all those amino acids. They natu- they're naturally occurring in, those, in the muscle protein, organ meat, dairy, and you know are necessary for our pets to thrive. So if you can't feed a raw diet, you know, my best advice would be to supplement the diet with some natural sources of taurine. You know, like, like I talk about this a lot, but, you know, raw goat's milk is a really good source of taurine. Meat, you know, even if it's like cooking does disrupt some of those amino acids, but, you know, even if you just have to cook it, fine. But, you know, just giving them some meat and organ meat especially is a great source of, of a lot of uh, critical nutrients and amino acids. So goat milk, meat organ meat, even some seafood. I don't feed too much seafood. I just kind of worry about heavy metals and things like that. But some seafood is really, um, can be really beneficial um, and really good source of taurine as well. Now, I will say this, it's just because it's on my mind, but animal proteins aren't created equally, right? I mean, they, some, you know, contain more taurine than others. For example, beef and lamb and other rumnet proteins can actually be lower in taurine than chicken and turkey. So like poultry, example, for example. So rotation, I always talk about this. Rotation, that's why rotation is really important. I mean, rotation, obviously, like I talked, like I said, is is important because, you know, you want to keep your pet interested in their food. You want to give them a variety of nutrients. You uh, want to avoid them developing allergies. So always get a good rotation in. But also, like, you're just getting different when you're rotating foods even different brands and different proteins like you're just getting different whole foods in a diet you're really diversifying their diet so their gut's getting different feeding off the the gut microbiome is feeding off different ingredients and different foods and it's much more diverse much more healthy you have a stronger healthier um, immune system it's just so important but you know poultry fish brain heart liver all these gross things are like the best sources of taurine so you're not getting taurine from um you know, grains or legumes or anything like that. But my best advice to avoid this, um, don't go run into the grain-based diets because we know when we look at when we look at the, the science breakdown of it, when we look at the FDA reports, we know that that's, that's just not the case. It's not what's happening. And there's obviously, like we talked about, there's obviously a conflict of interest there. So um, the best, my best advice is to feed a fresh, raw, species-appropriate food. But if you can't do that, okay, you know, let's get some goat milk on there. Let's, you know, goat milk's a great way to add that moisture, add those 
uh, just naturally occurring probiotics, enzymes, um, and taurine. Add, you know, some other fresh food, you know, any kind of like chicken or turkey or any kind of meat to the diet, organ meat, you know, all that stuff is so good for them and it's what they should be thriving on. So that's my best advice. I hope that helps. I know it's kind of a lot of information um, in a short amount of time. And there's more coming out about this, you know, as far as with the FDA and all these conflicts of interest, there's um, there's actually just more veterinarians. It's not just the Dr. Freeman. There's more veterinarians that have kind of been exposed, but I'm not here to, you know, expose a bunch of people. I'm just, I'm just saying that there's more information coming out about this and it's not looking pretty for, for the FDA. Thanks. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.